when they're trying to explain the problem, they often show you the problem without without meaning to. So they will actually say, I really don't like my nasolabial fold while they pull their yeah. cheeks up. Welcome to the Aesthetics Mastery Show. I'm Dr. Tim Pierce. Hi, I'm Miranda Pierce. And today we're talking about restoring the male face. It's a little bit different to restoring the female face. And if you don't get it right, you'll feminize your male patients. So let's dive in. So we are doing this topic because of two questions we had from Mauricio and also from Gaynor. Gaynor had a gentleman come in who needed restoration. And he presented asking for nose-to-mouth lines. And she thought that he might need some of the cheek, but he pushed back because he didn't want to be feminized. And then Mauricio was asking generally, if people come in for nose to mouth, is it always good to go for the cheeks as a starting point? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I'll start with the second one. Um, like any, it's a very good tip if you're doing MCQs or anything. Whenever the question says always, it's always false. So always never applies. There's always an exception. That's the only always it does apply. Um, so um, in this case, should you always treat the cheek when you're restoring the nasolabial fold? No, absolutely not. Um, is it something that's pretty common, particularly with females? Yes. And the reason for that is because aging in females often require, it, it involves lateral volume loss. So the fat pad gets relatively smaller laterally than medially, the cheek slumps forward, and when you and that causes a nasolabial fold. So when you restore that, you get a little lift. Now, in men, I think it's it's different because firstly, there tends to be less fat here anyway. Um, they tend to have uh, less fat in this part of your cheek it's a feminine feature having full cheeks. And so the nasolabial fold is more often something else like a wrinkle or a or an actual fold rather than the descent of the, of the fat pad above. So you, it, the, the logic doesn't apply to men in quite the same way. Now I'm sure there will be cases where it does apply to men and you will have a man whose, whose cheek needs a bit of support from above. But as a general rule, I think that's much less common. And we need to think more about the anterior cheek and the nasolabial fold itself. Um, and that would be more common. So the, the principles are slightly different. So what would you do differently with men? So I see it as you've got to cautiously replace volume, not augment. So that's, it's actually fairly okay to augment a woman's cheek, to actually make it bigger, especially if you're in 35 and older. You'll look more beautiful. You'll look, you look more heart-shaped. But with a man, you're trying to kind of figure out where the fat pad was and kind of get as much lift as you can, but while essentially keeping it harmonious with where it came from. So um, one of the things I spotted is if you ask your patient to smile uh, with men, you'll often see a little indentation where the anterior part of the cheek meets the lateral part of the cheek. And that's a place you can harmonize slightly. So you can add a little bit of volume when they've got that indentation um, in a way that won't give them full round cheeks. And that will give you a little bit of support from above. Um, then the next stage is you're just trying to look for any gaps in the fat pad. So you may have a little shadow from the zygomatic um, ligament. You you could add a bit of volume there. I think that junction between the zygomatic ligament and the superior part of the cheek, if you project that anteriorly, that often gives you a little bit of support in the nasolabial fold. So this is CK3 if you use uh, the MD codes. So you're projecting anteriorly and it might give you a little bit of support in the nasolabial fold and mean that you require less in the actual fold to get that support. But you're you're being much more gentle, much more anterior than, uh, than you might do with a female where lateral projection is more appropriate. So if you did decide to go for it with a gentleman, how would you counsel them that this ain't going to give them, you know, massive chipmunk cheeks? 
Well, firstly, validate the statement because it's true. If you if you create too much lateral projection, it is feminizing. So I would I'd like to compliment my patients when they get the aesthetics right. I will say that you're absolutely right. And if we did do that, and that will be reassuring too, because they know that you understand their concern. Um, then you need to explain your treatment plan and say, what I can do is just give just enough to give you a little bit of a lift. Um, a little bit more focus on your treatment, which is another a very important feature of masculine treatments is men are more angled than women. And if you create more angles in a man's face, he'll be happy. It's masculine. So you can focus the cheek without creating a vol voluminous, round, full cheek. Well, help me understand that more. What does focus the cheek mean? So if focusing is about picking on the specific angles in the face that, diff that are essentially that they are the focal points of the face. So cheeks are one, go on your angle one, angle on your chin is another. These are places where you might just target a specific little amount of product just so that you have a more clear angle. So I would do that particularly with on men would be uh, the cheek angle and the chin and jawline. So how come volume wouldn't be good for a man? I don't quite understand that. Well, I think the peak of male beauty... And, and actually female beauty too, but just at different stages is, uh, is relatively, there is some volume loss already occurring. And what you see when men peak is a combination of, of very angled, um, features. And it's, it kind of goes with athleticism is probably the best way of describing it. So if you look at a, an athlete who's 29, you can see the structure underneath a bit more and those sharp angles we associate with with physical fitness and health, which is why it's beautiful. So when you're treating a face, it probably isn't going to make a male more beautiful if you fulfill all the volume. Whereas females probably peak in terms of um, their evolutionary history, in terms of um, sexual function and their attractiveness when they're younger. So 18 to 20 is probably the peak and there's loads more volume. Um, and that's indicating fertility essentially. But if you do that to a man, most most women would agree with this. So if you look at an 18-year-old man, they're, they're actually not as good looking as when they're 30. And um, I actually think that's true with females too, but to a different degree. Um, and that's because of the ability to see the, the the detail underneath, the structure underneath. So restoring a face, you shouldn't just add a volume everywhere and create this beautifully full, luscious, full cheek uh, in a man. It's probably, they're probably better looking when there are angles and a few little imperfections, little shadows where you're seeing the structure underneath because that's essentially more masculine. Okay, so we want definition for men. What's stopping you from just making some cheek definition? Well, you could, in some people, just create cheek definition. The pitfall would be that you need to uh, preserve the jawline dominance in a man. In a masculine man, the jawline is a strong feature. And remember, there's this competing element going on. Every time you augment a cheek, you're making it relatively bigger than the jawline. And so similar for females in the, in the other way around, that if you increase the jawline, you may want to make sure you've done the cheek because that competition is what is what it, what sexual dimorphism actually rests on, which is you need the cheek should not be projecting miles out from the jawline or, or it's feminine. So when I say miles out, I mean half a centimeter. You want the the relative dominance of the jawline to ensure that it's a masculine result at the end. Okay, so let's tackle the generic question, probably mostly for women. When a lady presents, often with nose to mouth, because I think that it's more known by patients, they know, they see it coming, you see that horrible line, you're like, oh my God. So you'd present to an aesthetic clinician. How do you... Uh, how do you know when actually the cheeks are, that's just a symptom and the cause is here? 
Uh, well, you always start by looking at the whole shape of their head and you're looking, you, I look for the volume in their cheek, but you can also feel it. So you can actually just put your hand on and feel. And sometimes I'll show my patients this. Can you feel how much, how much less fat there is here compared with here? And that's that, the loss of the lateral fat pad. Um, you can also see it when they move. So if you ask your patient to smile, as I talked about before, you can see the junction um, between the anterior fat pad and where it's depleted laterally. And that little junction here, if you reconnect that is more beautiful. So it's kind of look see feel and, and ask them to move and then you immediately get into the problem i've had this loads of times on the phones when they've presented for nasolabials and you know the real problem is is here as we know cheeks take more so you're immediately into a price battle aren't you because now you're trying to argue for something that won't give such an immediate impact uh, you know such a fabulous oh yeah it's all gone but we'll make them a holistically look better but it's going to take four syringes instead of potentially just one Hmm. So that like with a lot of great consultations, it's about how good you are at teaching your patients. So um and what you're in is. So what one of the things I like to do is I look for the nonverbal communication when they're assessing themselves. When they're trying to explain the problem, they often show you the problem without without meaning to. So they will actually say, I really don't like my nasal labial fold while they pull their yeah. cheeks up. And I would reference that and say, did you notice when you explained it to me what you did? And that's actually because intuitively you understand that the physiology of aging is meaning that your cheek fat is falling down and that's why you have the fold. So we need to lift it up. And that that is linked with what they say. If you ignore what they say and you start giving advice, it sounds like a, a sales trick. So if you say, no, no, you don't need nasal labial fold, you need your cheeks, but you haven't explained why. And this does happen all the time. The patient automatically and probably rightfully not rightfully, but it's reasonable that they think this, that this is just you trying to maximize your sale value. So you need to explain things very clearly. And how often when you are essentially doing a mid-face treatment, trying to restore this, how often do you do cheeks and nasolabial fold? Uh, if the presenting complaint is nasolabial fold, it would be very rare that I don't do some in the nasolabial fold, but it might be a 70-40 split, 70-30 split. So you might do some lifting and then support. I would say a push and a pull work better than a pull on its own. So a little bit of volume plus a support in the lateral cheek. If someone presents with nose to mouth lines and you decide to do either just cheeks or a combination in consultation with them, of course, can you give us some kind of rough idea of how many syringes are needed in the cheek? It's, it's very hard to say because faces are so different but probably two mil if you're doing the whole effectively nasal labial fold and cheek you're going to struggle to do it for less than two mils um and probably if you're being holistic and there's reasonable amount of volume loss you could you could go much higher than that mm -hmm. so uh, i'd say starting at around two mils so we hope you found that helpful this week let us know your thoughts the volumes that you use and randy just had a cracking idea which is yeah, so Tim did this amazing document called Frequently Used Filler Volumes. And it's an image of the face with all of the classic areas that you guys will inject and the the standard or the average amount that you- I think you I've done it on a bell curve. So there's kind of the standard um, and then the extreme ends of it so that you can get an idea of what normal is for the different parts of the face. For the number of syringes uh, recommended for that area. So it's super juicy. Loads of people downloaded that. We will drop a link in the description below if you'd like to get your hands on that for free on Tim's website. And please do drop us any comments or questions like Mauricio and Gaina did. And we'd love to feature them in future videos. And also subscribe and hit that bell to be notified when we next upload. Thanks for watching. Take care.